Okay. I'm number six, and this is the New Prisoners Interviews. And I'm here with TNP contributors, Chris Graves and Lisa Blanger. And we are joined by special guest. I'm going to say the French-Canadian one because I've been saying it all day trying to practice it. Jean Bedouin. All right. Probably botched that. And I'm here with my good friend, John Henry. You could probably say it better, John Henry. You've had more experience with that type of I'm language. Bedouin. Very Bedouin. Come on. Very good. Welcome, everybody. Chaos, disorder, dissent, all the exciting things. As our community continues to grow, the interview series is something that uh, we're really excited about. So it's happy to have everybody on this evening and uh, welcome back to the show. Thank you, John Henry. Now, since we began uh, this podcast, one of the main topics has been uh, the COVID mRNA vaccines. Uh, that have been forced upon the population. We've talked about a lot of the other medications too that have sort of uh, slipped through the cracks. Uh, we've talked about the harms that they've caused. We've talked about people losing their jobs. We have good friends like our friend Jason Barker who have fought against that system and won. Uh, but many, unfortunately, um, have been damaged and or, and or killed uh, by, by these medicines, if you want to call them that. Um, and John Henry, I know that you have people dear to you that that's affected. I have people dear to me that that's affected. And I think that a lot of people have people that they know that it's affected. And John, uh, you were one of the people that pointed that out that early on, that sooner or later, everybody's going to know somebody. How did you know? What, what, tur- what turned you on to that? Uh, with regard to the vaccine, um, when it came out, how did I know? I was into bears very early, uh, probably around February, but it, I think it was January that I said, this won't end until everybody knows somebody. I think that's what you're referring to. Yes. I don't know. I can't. I, I think I was aware because I had already done a year <clears throat> of, um, it was about nine months at that point, of COVID data, um, analysis. I, I sued the governor over the masks and then the vaccine was coming out. They were rushing it. Um, nothing made any sense. It's just the whole thing didn't make any sense. And they say it takes 10 years for, for trials. Oh no, we're going to do it in nine months. It's like you, you can't rush things like that in the semiconductor business. You can't just say, oh no, we're just going to do it faster. No, it takes a certain amount of time to get it right. Otherwise you're spending, you know, a million to $10 million on mask sets to respin the thing. And you shouldn't have to respin. Um, you should be able to get it right the first or second time. So there's no way they were going to get it right the first time and not right in a, in, a, in a vaccine would be a lot of people die. So I just figured based on my experience in the semiconductor industry, that the manufacturing quality assurance was not going to be there and which it isn't. And we now know that, um, but also the design. You know, there, there are design defects, manufacturing defects. At least I can tell you that. Um, you know, it, and then there's manufacturers' uh, instructions and warnings, three different types of things you can sue based on. Um, so it, the design didn't make any sense to me. The manufacturing, there's no way they were going to get that down in that amount of time. And that's that's the long-winded answer to your question. <laughs> hey, no, I, I I appreciate you adding some uh, detail and context that you mentioned the semiconductor industry. Is that, is that your uh, background just for the audience that might be unaware? Or? 
Uh, yes, I have a degree in it's computer and systems engineering, but it sounds like computer science. It's really a double E. So it's electrical engineering with all my, um, instead of free electives like the, the double E's had, I had to take computer science classes. So it's like a double E with a computer science minor, but they make me call it a computer and systems engineering. And I'll never, for, I'll never forgive the school for creating that major so that I have to take an extra minute out of an interview to explain it to everybody. So, uh, yeah, I'm an engineer, but my career was in um, mostly sales and marketing. So I put together large contracts among, well, when I was younger, I was an applications engineer. But then you get into sales and you start growing in, in the, the companies you deal with and the level of people you deal with as long as you sharpen your skills. Um, so I was mostly talking to CEOs, CFOs um, about not only the technical part, but also finance. They're not going to sign off on an eight-figure deal unless you break it down for them and how it's going to help their business. So I won't get into all the breaking down a balance sheet and figuring out uh, the executive compensation committee's plan as to how executives make money. And if you play into their personal gains, you can you can then sell them or manipulate them into signing off on your contract. Um, so let's see, uh, semiconductors. Yeah, about thirty-something years. Uh, well, that that lends a lot of experience, and uh, actually, it's quite funny because uh, we've we've acquired some friends at this show um, over the past several months. Uh, two of them being uh, Dale Richardson and Keisha Richardson, and Dale with his background as an environmental um, engineer, you know, just to figuring out how air works. Environmental hygienist, I actually think, is the is the way that uh, it's been described to me. Um, and just it, go figure that people out of fields like that, or even Lisa, our good friend, uh, Vince Agnelli, talking about people that are inventors, engineers, and people that understand systems. All of you were able to call out a lot of this stuff early on. Because just if you think through a lot of the things that were proposed to us at first, logically, you're bound to come to these conclusions, right? Like, it's just, if, if it's going to be true or untrue, you, there's just certain people that get to that true faster. You know, so like we were talking about off air, there's certain people that are just stuck in the, this limbo or maybe stuck without a, a firmware update or something like that. No, no, no pun intended, Chris Graves. But uh, no, there, there's just uh, there's things that just happen to people where they just seem stuck. Like it, it's like the beginning of the pandemic still where they don't understand that the that the virus or whatever you want to call it um, is aerosolized. So that nothing, when you mentioned masks before, John, um, that you probably understood that if you're not containing that aerosolized matter or whatever in a, in a vacuum, that those masks aren't going to work. That forcing them upon people is, is a fallacy. It's, it's going to be a fail. It's, it's doomed to fail, destined to fail. And Chris Graves, I mean, you've, you've reported on and, and researched you know, stories like this for our friend Donald Jeffries, who has a book coming up soon about this topic. I mean, uh, to see other people early on, weren't there a lot of others too, like in fields like John's that were able to point this stuff out? Yeah, there were, there were a few, but um, not that many right, right off the bat. But Donald, uh, you know, he's looked into a lot of corruption and conspiracy-related things over the years, so he was able to kind of call it out like right from the beginning. So. And a lot of the reporting around the world uh, was a lot different than 
even in the United United States. So, yeah, there's a lot of uh, a lot of um, shenanigans going on right off the bat. Yeah. Well, and Lisa, your friend John here even pursued law school. I heard at some point. I don't, did you try and talk him out of it? <laughs> no, I'm playing. I'm playing. Lisa, you're muted. You're muted, Lisa. <laughs> <laughs> Who <laughs> try mute me? Forget about it. Okay, so uh, yeah, no, I I didn't. Um, I only came to know John after he <laughs> coming for put, put himself into into that belly of the beast. They're coming for you, Lisa. Yep, look out. I'm <laughs> <Come> them boys. <laughs> now, John Henry, um, when it comes to having, you know. A, a like this type of background, like an engineering background, neither, neither of us really have anything close to that. But uh, they said that the, the people that um, really didn't go for the BS were like PhD level and then maybe people at our level, you know, like the shopping cart level. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah, exactly. Common uh, sense, CVS, baby. CVS, the PhDs and CVS shoppers. The Kmart level. Yep. Yeah. But I mean, what happened there, you think? I mean, was it just, uh, is, is there a select amount of people? Is there a certain type of thinking? And what I've, what I've proposed in the past is, is that a lot of this has to do with like trauma. Like people have to experience something. They have to learn a lesson in order to be able or to be driven to, to think this way. Well, one, I think part of it is high IQ people naturally question things, question narratives. I mean, that's inquisitive. That's what gives people a hunger for knowledge and and uh learning and you know obviously uh, motivates them to pursue continuing education um th then you have the other side of that uh where i just don't buy in a bullshit <laughs> you know and i think that that's just kind of being a normal northeastern united states abrasive come on grave shut up <laughs> quit yeah. bullshitting me you know like that type <laughs> of thing it just and, then, and I think Lisa understands that too, is that just naturally how we communicate and just call everybody out um, on that. So, you know, I, I think that's the other contributing factor. Uh, but the other part too is, um, you know, I, I mentioned a couple of times on the show, reading the book Stolen Focus, and it talks about how just media and mass, it, it just set up to completely manipulate you and your thought processes and, you know, the algorithms and, and all of it. So I, I just think that most people that kind of, you know, have a busy life and work a normal job and are taking care of their family. They get their news in bits and pieces. And, you know, for what they consume, that narrative was very constant throughout this entire process. So, you know, they don't, and I'm not making up excuse for people, but they just didn't have time to question that narrative. Right. It was like, I need to get back to work. I need to not lose my house. I, you know, so, okay, that's the, get the shot. I'm going to get the shot. They said it's safe. Right. Um, they said, it's okay. They said, it's fine. They said, get the booster. I get it. I just want to be able to go to a restaurant and live my life again. And I think part of that was just that desperation is that, you know, everybody, you know, was thrown into this damn loop and was just like, man, I just want to get back to my normal life. What is it that I have to do for us to get back to it? Okay. The rest of you that don't do this thing, there's something wrong with all of you guys, because I just want to get back to my normal life. So in a lot of ways, I don't think that, you know, people, that were frustrated or, or didn't agree with us necessarily. It wasn't out of them being malicious. I think it was just genuinely a lack of ignorance. And then also more importantly, desperation. Is there a, lot like, of, well, a lot of fear too. Yeah, of course. Terrifying, man. Fucking terrifying. 
Here's the enigma. You want to you want to talk about doctors, okay? Forget <laughs> forget about PhDs and whatever. We're we're just talking about medical providers. Uh, from what I've observed, there's an astonishing per large percentage of medical providers who have gone along with this for money, Lisa. Right, but here's so. Let me ask you this, Lisa. I'll pose you a question, okay? So what's the difference between this and any of the drugs from big pharma that we knew were toxic, poisonous, would kill and cause cancer that these same exact doctors prescribed for years and years and years, and it was all financially motivated. You know, I mentioned this before my mom, you know, she worked in a very high level doctor's group office for the majority of her career. And, you know, one of the things that's so disheartening is that she got to a point and was just like, man, this is all just broken. This is all just corrupt. These people come in, they spend this obscene amounts of money. They buy us these insane lunches every day, take us to, you know, get ski chalets that, you know, the doctors can go stay in. It just, it's coercion is what it is. So unfortunately, that's the point that, you know, the majority of our medical field and medical professionals got to is it was just all about business. It wasn't about really helping people and you know, and unfortunately, a lot of that, like most things, is financially motivated. I'm not saying that all doctors are bad or all medical professions are bad because we know that's certainly not the case. Um, you know, a bit realistically, it's, you know, if, if you listen to the show and, and everybody that's you know on the show with us, you guys all know, you know what it's all about. Um, you know, it's about that infrastructure. It's about control. It's about money. It's about all of it. And, you know, I'll tell you what it isn't about. It's not about people getting healthy. It's not about curing cancer. Um, it's about, you know, the, the, the big medical pharma machine, man, and just to keep people dependent and reliant. And they just continue to use us all as a resource and it's a financial resource. You know, if there was a way to make everybody better, well, they wouldn't be on medication their entire life. They wouldn't have to pay these obscene amounts of money for treatments. Um, so that's not the goal. The goal of the medical industry is not to get people healthy because the other part of it too, which we saw over and over and over through the pandemic is how many of these medical professionals were talking about metabolic health. How many of them were talking about quit eating the processed food, quit eating the fricking garbage, quit consuming all the, sh the sugar and the empty calories and don't smoke cigarettes and go exercise and get in the sun. No, instead they locked everybody in their damn house. So, you know, if they really cared about people's health, well, number one, food is medicine. So there wasn't any big push about how people should start doing that. And then they start to beat down the narrative about the vitamin D deficiency, which now we know that people that were vitamin D deficient were a lot more, you know, they were, they were much more likely um, to be very symptomatic, right? Well, where do we get vitamin D from outside of supplementations? It's the sun and everybody's locked in their damn house. So it wasn't to help anybody locking people out of gyms where they could go and get healthy and have better cardiovascular health and lose weight. That's, you know, because the, the comorbidities were another severe thing. So these people don't care about our health, right? They just don't, they don't want us to be better. They want us to be dependent and that dependence isn't just physical and mental and emotional, but it's also financial. If they and cared I mean, about our health, John Henry, insulin and chemotherapy would be free. hundred percent. Right? Absolutely. Without any question. No question about that. I totally agree with you, Mr. Grace. Well, and John, what was the catalyst for you, uh, like sort of jumping into these sort of topics? Like, were you always sort of critical of things like this? Were you always sort of skeptical or was it something that sort of sparked your, I don't know, your journey here? Uh, yeah. So 
you're coming really low. I'm sorry, man, uh, with your microphone. Sorry. No, no worries. How's this? Is that better? A lot better. Yeah. yeah a little bit, so a little sorry, better now. To, sorry to hear that, too. Yeah, I'm really sorry uh, to hear that. But yeah, I wanted to make sure everybody heard that. <clears throat> so I, um, I had gotten a, an MBA. At, I, I started at 51. I got it at 54 right when he died. And then I sat on the couch for a couple of years doing nothing. Just depressed. And then um, COVID hit and my, my middle son didn't believe it. I said, no, you got to take it seriously, Charlie. In the back of my mind, you know, I, I always tell him I didn't know. And he, he's, he's the one who triggered me to, uh, to go online in the CDC data and dig it up. But really, I did that because I didn't trust it either. So, you know, the two of us, both for the same reason, probably, um, don't trust government <clears throat> and um, don't trust a lot of people. I was called hyper-aware in my career by people I worked with for over a decade. And uh, I believe that it, it has nothing to do with intelligence. I mean, some, but, but that's not a big part of it. The bigger part is if you've been wronged by somebody in your life who was in a position of trust, whether it was a parent or an uncle or aunt or a teacher or in, early in your career, you know, you, you have this guy you look up to and he's, you think he's helping you out. And the whole time he's stabbing in the back and you find out. So when you, when you realize that people are capable of evil things um, and, and you're, you're trusting somebody in a position of, of not, not authority, but a position of trust, and they break that trust from that point on, if you're intelligent, you don't trust anybody. <laughs> you, you look for... Um, signs that they're not going to screw you or or you protect yourself in ways that you're not going to get screwed and so that's why i've been vigilant because in say my youth or something um i i lost trust and i, I mean i'll just say you know my, my dad moved out when i was 10 and i hardly saw him after that and so that 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 bond of father son was broken at 10 years old and um trusting a relationship with the government? Are you kidding me? That's the last last entity I'm going to trust. So that was part of it. And uh, to chime in on the doctors that you mentioned, <coughs> I think a lot of people don't understand what science is, uh, scientific research versus engineering, why there's a big difference and why engineers that I know really knew what was going on and could figure things out. Um, Scientists will study something for a very long time, and, and they hope that one of their hypotheses comes true in the next five or ten years, so that they're, you know, they, they get more grants, and they're well thought of, and they get more money. <clears throat> Engineers have to produce a product that's repeatable. It has to be safe. It has to go out into the stream of commerce. Um, it has to be profitable. You, you, the quality assurance has to be there, because if one out of a million works, that's not a success. You know, you're going out of business. So engineers produce something on a timeline. You, you know well ahead of time what the timeline is. And yes, products are late, but not, not like a theory or a hypothesis being late to be proven like five or 10 years. <clears throat> it's a very, very different mindset. And um, doctors, for some reason, think of themselves more as scientists because they've been kind of coached that way since the 1990s. They were taught evidence-based medicine. 
somebody out of Canada wrote a paper. Now everybody does EBM. And so you hear about randomized controlled trial, trials, peer reviews, and there's this whole process. What they've done is they've taken anecdotal evidence, which used to be the highest, highest form of evidence, with a backup being statistical evidence, and they flipped it. And now they can't, anybody under 40, <coughs> really almost like under 50, can't make a decision without looking at a, a, a research paper with a randomized controlled trial. You know, it used to be, I don't know how old you guys are, I'm 58. So when I went to the doctor, there were two or three doctors in the practice, maybe five. And it was always the older guy who would be uh, a reference to the younger guys. And the, the younger guy would be like, yeah, um, let, let, hold on a minute. Let me uh, leave. I'm going to come back. And he'd come back and bring the old guy, the guy with the wisdom. Um, or, or I say guy, but it could be a woman. <clears throat> um, and what would happen is, oh, yeah, well, you, you, won't, you won't find that in the books. You won't find that at the CDC. That's because we have this in the water here. Or because these are the genetics of the people that came from this area of Italy. It's different than the, than the Swedes who live on the other side of town. So that wisdom in medicine is, is pretty much gone now. And now they bow to a central authority where they, they look at the papers first. So some, some do want to save their jobs and they go along with the central um, organization narrative, whether you know vaccines are safe and effective or um, something else, like use this drug. Some of them actually believe it. So everything is individualized and dependent, but uh, you're right, you know, some guys do it just to keep their jobs and keep the money flowing, um, and they don't want to lose their license because the boards are captured too. Um, so let me give you one last thing before I stop, and that is uh, engineers and scientists. So if, if, if an act A causes issue B, the scientists will come and say, oh, we have to run some trials. Let's, let's come up with three or four hypotheses. Then we will conduct experiments. And then the results of the experiments we will analyze. And then we will figure out how A caused B. Okay, and B is an issue. Whereas the engineer comes up and says, stop doing A, let's go grab a beer. <laughs> You're done. You solved it. Yeah. Issue B can't happen. You just stop the act A from happening. You know, it, it's, it's really that simple. We, we, we solve problems and, you know, move on. I don't, I don't care how some things work. I don't need to know how they work if I understand the causality. Now, have they tried to understand why people are dying from uh, blood-related issues? Just stop the vaccine in one area and see if all those issues stop, which they will. Uh, but they haven't done that. So uh, anyway, that's that's my thing on engineers and doctors and EBM and all that. No, I appreciate that uh, description and everything. Uh, but one of the things, too, uh, I'm glad that you did speak about that, uh, the, the early sort of formation of your personality and just what allowed you to sort of access those types of questions to things, too. It may have been part education. I'm a, I'm a big fan of that behavioral psychology. When you talked about a background in, in sales and other things, you have to understand, you know, people's mindsets. And as we were talking about, you know, off air, like presenting this information to people, it can be very abrasive. It can be very dark. It can be very challenging and it could be, it could seem crazy. You know, you're going to tell people that, you know, this, this great company like Pfizer or, or you know, this miracle uh, company like Moderna that, you know, the 
Sparta and DARPA have a have a background, you know, in you supporting mean the one that hasn't produced anything that worked. Yeah, uh, never, never produced anything ever, but uh, they're going to present us this miracle cure for for COVID and get us out of uh, out of these doldrums. You know that, that we're n- we're not going to have to worry anymore. Like the commercials, just they showed the guy prancing around. He he's free. He's free now. He doesn't have to worry about COVID anymore. Like yeah, because he's dead. Well, that's that's the thing. Like how. How does one present that information? Like, uh, when whenever you compile this stuff, and whenever you go over these, you know, VARES reports and these records, like, how how do you approach you know people with this sort of story? Do you just hit them straight with the facts, or like, how, how do you go about explaining what you've gathered here, information wise, and maybe explain to the audience like what that information consists of too, just in case they don't know? Sure. Um, so I'll, I'll just put it in two buckets for now. Uh, I can get it more into it later, but part of it is data. What are people dying from? When are they dying? And who is dying? And I will just say for your audience at the beginning, people died, and this is excess. Once you strip away everything that would normally happen, all the normal, all the people that would normally die at what age they would die and when they would die in the year with seasonality, you strip that away, you're left with what these guys call signals, right? The signals who's dying. And the people who are dying <clears throat> in that excess death, in 2020, it was respiratory, pneumonia, COPD, ARDS, things like that. And in 2021, it was circulatory, cardiac arrhythmia, cardiac arrest, pulmonary embolism, acute, or, uh, excuse me, um, acute post-hemorrhagic anemia, thrombocytopenia, things to do with the blood and the circulatory system. What also happened is the age dropped from the 80s to the, um, to the 60s. Now, that happened on a year boundary when COVID was supposed to be still around and they introduced the vaccine. It happened right then. What also happened is seasonality. There are seasonal triggers that go on and off. It's around 55 degrees here in, in New England uh, when, when a, the, high, the daily high temperature is around 55. And this is just my calculations. Okay. And it, it worked uh, for many years. All around the world, I tested it in 50 different locations around the world, and my theories all worked. But um, the uh, seasonal triggers turn on and off whatever seasonal respiratory virus is. Well, in 2021, there, there was no off switch. There was no off. It, it, w- it was steady state throughout the year. So it was not a seasonal respiratory virus. Um, now, now, back to what you really asked about. Um, uh, well, I'll, I'll end there. What, what was your question again? I'm sorry. Well, it was just basically like how, how do you present that information to people? Oh, like yes, is, yes. You know, is, right. is there... Oh, how do I present yeah. 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 So everybody's different. So I, I will, if I'm talking to a friend, uh, depends. If his wife is standing next to him, it's going to be different. If she has different beliefs than he does. Um, everybody's different. How I, how I present it to the masses, it depends on the crowd. But what I did... Uh, for my case, so I have a, <clears throat> I have a lawsuit that you mentioned earlier. I have two actually. Uh, one in state court as a contract theory against the law school for throwing me out for not getting the vaccine. Uh, the other one against the um, the state because they committed a lot of fraud on death certificates. They wrote COVID on a lot of death certificates that were not COVID, and they would not write the vaccine on all but one death certificate when I have plenty of uh, instances where I know it was the vaccine that killed somebody. So that's fraud by omission. 
Now, I can't sue them just for fraud. I have to have standing. My standing is the school cited the state data as a reason for instituting a VAX mandate. So the source of causality is the state fraud. So that's how I gain my standing. Now, how, how do I present it to a judge and how I would present it to, to your audience and everybody else is different than how I present to, I present it to thousands of doctors, lawyers, and researchers around the world on various calls. Um, and, and to them, I can get more technical and I use data, but to the people, um, like a judge, why do we keep losing all these cases? Why, why do the people keep losing them all to the government? Well, they keep bringing in expert witnesses. Well, the government brings in their expert witnesses. And since the judge is not an expert, he can't, you know, he doesn't know who's got the better expert knowledge. He's going to err on the side of caution, which for him would be aligning with government. So what I'm doing is I'm coming in with anecdotal, uh, I'll call it anecdotal, real, real cases of real people who died from the vaccine with onset of symptoms in minutes and death in a few days. And, and that, they're real people. It's emotional. And, and, and the other side can't have an expert to say, well, that five minutes wasn't five minutes. It was really five and a half minutes. I mean, what's, what's your point? There, there's, but, there's no, it's irrefutable. These people he, died the vaccine. Go ahead, Lisa. He, but here's what's so astonishing, okay? You know, <clears throat> let, let's, I think you put the cut before the horse a little bit, because generally speaking, uh, when we're talking about the battle of the experts, we're talking about that's already been allowed to go to trial. Uh, it's even more egregious than that, because as in John, John's case, that is before the federal court and the um, and actually the defendant is the Commonwealth and, and specifically the uh, AG. OK, now you would think that the duty and responsibility of the AG is to want to protect the the public, the citizenry. <clears throat> so here we have a a problem where the AG is trying to quash and uh, conceal information from even from from the get go that they won't even let it get out to be vetted. Then the same with the judge, by the way. Well, I mean, th these are. When I say fraud, these are very serious federal felony crimes. These carry from five to 20 years, uh, different ones. There's uh, 18 U.S.C. 1035, uh, false statements with regard to healthcare matters. Uh, 1040 is um, fraud in disaster relief. 1343 is just fraud by wire. But then there's uh, 18 U.S.C. 10, uh, 241, which is conspiracy against rights. That's a big one. And 242 is deprivation of rights under color of law. So they're, they're kind of pretending that these are, these are laws. Um, that, the point is, the, the AG is conflicted. Like Lisa said, she's right on. They have to defend, they, they have a duty to defend the governor, the commissioner of public health, the chief medical examiner, four individual medical examiners who are all defendants, both in their individual capacity and their official capacity. Now, they have to sign a form saying they'll allow the state to represent them individually, in addition to representing them uh, in their official capacity, which is 
That is in the purview of the AG. They're supposed to do, do that. But the office of the AG is also supposed to investigate crimes and, and prosecute them. And these are crimes. So if they're defending them, who's, who's going to investigate and prosecute the crimes? Um, th that, that's a problem. Now, there was a time when the lawyer said, <clears throat> we had a conversation early on and I tried to get some stuff out of them, but, you know, they try to be quiet. He did say he can't talk to people in his office. So I was like, oh, so you guys are really investigating this, huh? And, you know, nothing happened of it. Um, but but they, they definitely have a conflict in duties within the state AG's office. And it doesn't look like they've done a darn thing to investigate since they were given legal notice. And legal notice would be my original complaint. My original complaint had all the evidence in it in Exhibit F, and uh, the data stuff was in Exhibit G. But Exhibit F has so much, so much evidence of criminal activity that they, they can't say they don't know about it. They were served it. They, they signed for it. They got it. And they haven't done anything with it, even though they have a legal duty to act upon it. And think about think about this. Um, so you have the AG who files a motion to dismiss with the specific claim that a citizen of Massachusetts does not have standing to question actual uh, tampering with with uh, death certificates. I mean. That, that that's just arrogance and to the, to the nth degree. I'm sorry. Any citizen of Massachusetts oh. just axiomatically has standing when when the Commonwealth's uh, coroner or whatever the department that deals with with the death certificates and, and the medical examination is involved. So. <laughs> That, that, that's what's so uh, infuriating. It really, it really is. The, the, the fact that they can actually say with a straight face that, that the citizenry, that, that they don't have standing. I mean, that, give me a break. Yeah, it's a big club and we ain't in it, right? And, and John, you've had to fight the system just for a tooth and nail for every bit of information, right? Like you've had to FOIA request this stuff. And, and and go after these records. You had to compile this stuff yourself because I was listening earlier. Uh, shout out to uh, uh, the channel uh, Super Spreaders. Go check them out on Rumble if you're listening here on Rumble. I believe they're on Odyssey as well too, so go follow them. Uh, but uh, John, you've done some stuff with them that I was listening to earlier. And you mentioned that uh, not only just having to go through the, the FOIA requests and putting the information together, you were explaining to me, or they were explaining on the show that the CDC, what they do typically is that they pa they prepackage this information. That this is just like a propaganda piece that they prepare to release to the public whenever it comes to numbers. And you actually went down into the dirt. You did some digging, like our friend Chris Graves does. Like you went hardcore and went straight to the source. You went straight to the coroner's reports to sort of prove your points about things and sort of elaborate on your own theories there. Um, how how was that process like for a, a citizen like yourself? Like you didn't have any, necessarily any background in, you know, th this type of uh, political or in engineering or any any type of you know, like any type of background really would lend to this, right? It just it was it was something that you were spurred on to do. You know, you were motivated to do or driven to do by something. 
Yeah, well, the engineering background really helped um, because I looked at it like they call them signals, so I'll look at them like signals. And uh, it, it was it was difficult to figure out at first, but first thing I looked at is all cause. So I'm like, okay, so how many people are dying? When are they dying? So I did an all cause graph for Massachusetts for the years 20, and so I got all the death certificates from 2015 through 2021. Uh, originally. Uh, yes, 2021, but the end of 2021 wasn't really solid. It takes about six months for a lot of things to resolve. <clears throat> so uh, that that's when I got into it. What, what did I start with? I started with all cause because the only way to fool all cause is to kill a lot of people. You have to murder a lot of people in order to fool all cause. Now, I know they weren't murdering people in the streets, so I figured, okay, all cause is going to be real. They can't They can't screw with that. They can screw with what did they die from, but they can't screw with the number of people who died and when they died. So that, that worked out um, pretty well because I just got in. It's like a forensic process, top down and bottom up. So I started at the top, and I was, then I started drilling down into the data. And when I went down, I did heat maps, and I ended up with all these spreadsheets that were all linked. It just got more and more complex. There's now about 30 spreadsheets where I just type in one code, one cause of death, and I walk away from my computer for 15 minutes and it just crunches all the code that I wrote for each cell, for each spreadsheet. And then it comes up with graphs and tables. And, um, but to get there, just started out with simply thinking, what do I want to show? Okay, I see that. Um, I, I don't understand why this is high in the back half of 2021. So then I did a heat map with um, you know, standard deviations above mean and I color-coded the cells conditionally such that the more, uh, more they would be uh, above mean, the darker red it would be, <clears throat> or the darker blue if it was uh, below, uh, if it was uh, um, a short amount. Um, so I found some anomalies there. I'm like, oh, oh. so it, it really wasn't normal amount of deaths between February and June of 2021. There was actually excess deaths in the 65 to 85, but you, you can't tell because the 85s are at a deficit. That's the word I was just trying to think of. So the 85 pluses were at a deficit and they canceled the signal for six months, February to July. I said June, but it's February to July. But from July for the rest of the year, there were, there were uh, 10 to 20 excess deaths every day for, for half a year. That's about 2,000 excess deaths. Why? That's halfway into a year of super vaccines going to save us all, right? Yeah. Um, so what do they do next? Oh, I saw a couple of hot spots. There were two cells that were darker than all the other cells. I'm like, all right, well, that's the first half of September and the first half of October, and it's in the 65 to 74 age group. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go do a filter on the actual database and read the individual records, the individual deaths and causes. So I did. I just started scrolling through them, and I'm, I'm looking at them. It's like cardiac arrhythmia, cardiac arrest, uh, a bunch of stuff. And then all of a sudden, I see four pulmonary embolism deaths in a row. Like, wow, there's a lot of those. And I look down below, and there's even more. I'm like, wow, there's a lot of people dying of pulmonary embolism. In this particular point of time, that was anomalous uh, compared to everything else in the spreadsheet. So, again, it's... You know, I'm starting at the top high level, going down. I got pulmonary embolism, 
So then I just started writing all kinds of generators to look at all the different causes of death and comparing them. And it, it got, got pretty hairy. And um, <clears throat> I, I, was, I think I was the first in the world to figure out the, the shift from respiratory to circulatory back in March. Um, and I published that. And then um, I published, uh, I, I found some people who had died from the vaccine. And I thought, I think it was in May when I published, we need the va vaccine dates of the deceased. And now uh, it was December or January, I think we're on a call. With, uh, anyway, I'll just say Kirsch and McCullough are, are now on board with wanting the, um, the dates of the vaccinated of the dead. That's Steve Kirsch oh, and or, Dr. Peter McCullough, correct? Yeah, Steve Kirsch and, and Peter McCullough, yeah. yeah. Um, and now more people. There's more people. I think the state, there's a congressman from this, uh, a state member of the state house, not, not federal congressman. Um, he's, uh, he, he's going to be uh, J Jason Gerhardt. I'll just say his name. Jason Gerhardt, G-E-R-H-A-R-D. He, he's pushing for an evaluation of the state public health data too now. I talk to him every now and then. He's a great guy. Uh, he's such a patriot, such a patriot that guy is. And he's he's getting other people. He's creating a coalition up there. Um, it's good you're I've getting some to support from, there. Yeah. I'm sorry? I said it's good you're getting some support there. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, in other states. You know, I, I, I really wanted Florida. I wanted Florida. There, there were about six people contacted Latipo and DeSantis um, to tell them to get me down there within a week. I'll find over a thousand deaths in any state within a week. Show me the data. Did they reject you? Like what, what happened with Florida? Is this, is this, um, did, they, did George Soros uh, tell them not to uh, have no, you no. or? <laughs> I, I still, oh, I still, no, I still like them a little bit. Nothing bad. I still love those guys. Yeah. Um, I, I'm nobody. I mean, I'm just a guy up here in Massachusetts and you know, if he's going to run for president at any point in time, you, you can't just grab anybody and bring them into your inner circle and have them do some work for you. You got to vet people. Um, and, but I understand But what they did was <clears throat> um, number one, Latipo uh, commissioned the university of Florida to do a study on uh, cardiac issues with the vaccine. That's only going to be about 10 to 20% of the deaths, but it's fine. I mean, they'll find a lot. Um, the other thing was uh, probably the greatest thing, that anyone has done in the last three years, DeSantis impaneled a grand jury. There's 23 U.S. citizens, Florida citizens, a statewide grand jury, who are going to be sitting on a grand jury with the ability to subpoena Fauci, subpoena anybody in D.C., anybody at the FDA, uh, to, to testify before the Florida grand jury. The immense power of the grand jury of the people a grand jury doesn't belong to the judiciary. It doesn't belong to the executive branch like they think it does. It belongs to the people. It's separate from any branch of government. And they have tremendous power. And nobody's utilizing them except for DeSantis. That's awesome. Okay. Can I ask you a question real quick? Um, do you know anything about the COVID commission that was supposed to be started by former September 11th uh, commission uh, creator Philip Zelikow that I don't know what the status of that is now currently, or if they got rid of it. That's the first I've heard of it. Uh, it sounds okay. really interesting to me. I, I did have somebody from the, the 9-11 group um, yeah. 
uh, down in New Jersey contact me. He was one of the plaintiffs in, in the, um, you know, that they're trying to get information, you know, as to who really did it. You know? That's a whole other, yeah, 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 I understand. Yeah. Yeah. I but, say, but I know that, yeah, no, I look into that, that issue as well. Um, but I just thought it was funny that they had the same guy that set up the 9-11 commission. They appointed uh, a COVID commission and he was going to fill the same role. I don't oh. know if that got disbanded or not yet. Oh, an appointment. I thought you meant a plaintiff, like a citizen. You mean a, a government appointed guy? Where he already had the results pretty much for the 9-11 commission already laid out before they even oh. brought it together. Okay. Yeah, no, that was reported on, but I didn't know what the status. I don't of know. The, okay, okay. I don't trust them to. Find I don't anything. either. I don't. <laughs> know. Yeah. Well, and John, if you ever need a great rundown on pretty much every angle on the 9-11 conspiracy and everything else under the sun, to check out the work of Chris Graves here, he does no, amazing, no, 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 amazing no, he, work. No, the COVID <laughs> stuff. Believe me, he's got a lot with the COVID oh, stuff. Man. But um, now, one of the things, too, speaking of the COVID stuff and, and things like that, I, I wanted to throw out a couple COVID myths and, and or at least treatment myths I'd like you to dispel, possibly. And it, even if you want to do a screen share and maybe share some information that would that would destroy these things. Let's just pretend that I'm um, a famous doctor, you know, that is famous for being on radio and TV. And I said that I give the COVID shot to all my patients over the age of 65 because of the benefit. Is there a benefit to them over the age of 65? Is it still worthy of, of being given to people in that age bracket and above? Uh, that's, that gets into the realm of statistics. I don't like statistics, but uh, I mean, I'll answer the question. Um, the people, people 65 died all year long. Do you, you want me to, I'll bring up that slide. Sure. <laughs> that would be awesome, man. And if any of the other uh, panelists can think of any COVID myths that we could uh, debunk today while we have our good friend John on, I like that. I like to be able to. Uh, this. I just want to make one other point, though, that that John seems to be one of the only voices out there uh, raising alarm bells about the issue of government tampering with actual data i mean how is that i mean people somehow people getting all caught up into the to the you know a lot of the medical technique you know deep weeds stuff but you know even just the very basic of when when you have a government entity falsifying information the house of cards should fall apart. <laughs> well, and where's the main part of the fudging really occurring? Like, where where are they botching or you know fudging these these records? Like, where who's who's responsible for that? Like, where would uh, where would that lead to? You know, is there a particular office? Is there a particular appointee? Is there a particular elected official that's responsible for this? Like, who who is ultimately responsible for the fudging of those records? So, <clears throat> excuse me. I was trying to bring my screen up. Which records were those again? Can you guys see the screen? For instance, like in your federal case, oh, you yeah. are able to show that a certain certain um, data was actually manipulated. Oh yeah, 
Um, so, well, originally in April, early April of uh, 2020, <clears throat> I downloaded some CDC data. And I can't prove this, but I'll tell you what happened. They, um, first of all, can you see the screen or not? Um, we're seeing the Brave Talk right now. Yeah, so we are okay. seeing your screen. Oh, now it's disappeared. Yeah, something wrong happened. We're just seeing you. Yeah. Yeah. I, I'll I think he had it up uh, about yeah, a minute. It's up now. I did. Yeah, I can I did, see your Twitter and stuff like that. I have two screens. I have two 27 inch monitors. Oh, so when you pick the screen share, you have to choose which monitor you want to uh, share. Um, and then yep. if you need to share system audio, there's another little checkbox down at the bottom that says share system audio too, uh, if you have any audio stuff. So now we're seeing, right. yeah, Koken de Chen, which uh, stands for Naughty Dog, right? Yeah, yeah. I like that. Uh, but you see the initials of it, right? CDC. <laughs> I like it. I like it. I'm the, I'm, I'm the real CDC. <clears throat> yeah. So what happened was um, with, with each file the CDC has, they have a keeper of the records email. And I emailed the guy and I said, you have a problem with your 2014 through 2018 data. The math isn't working out. The file came down for 36 hours. And when it came back, it was changed. They changed the historical data to make 2020 look bad. And I can't prove it. I don't have it. I just know what happened. And from that point on, I didn't trust the government at all. <clears throat> so um, fast forward to the, the, the data with regard to the fraud. Um, 24 records of acute fentanyl intoxication where they tested the dead body for COVID. And the dead body came back positive for COVID. And that's a COVID death. Blunt force trauma to the head, blunt force trauma to the torso, tested the dead body for COVID. <laughs> COVID death. Um, and then plenty of vaccine fraud, too. <coughs> there's, a, there's a lot going on. Um, so which one did I want to show oh, you? We were looking for uh, 65 and older. Like if Yeah. So let me, let me walk you through this. It's complicated, but um, it's really not. So on the top left is 2020, and the bottom right is 2021. All right. What you have on the left side is January through December. So going down, it's, it's time going down, and it's age groups across the top. And you see this really dark part here? These are numbers, of, I call it standard deviations above mean, but it might be slightly different. Okay. It's just, it's a lot of excess death. And right here, 65 through 74 is right here, and 75 through 79. Uh, of course, 85 is the highest. But you see that it's only four weeks. And down here, follow this arrow down. This is two years worth of, of COVID deaths, excuse me. Two years worth of deaths. This is all cause deaths. <clears throat> you see, COVID lasted nine weeks in Massachusetts. Then it went to zero seasonally. Just I was off. just about to mention that. So just for our audience, because that's something that blew my freaking mind when I was listening to you talk about it, that the real sort of quote unquote pandemic really only lasted, what, nine weeks? <laughs> yep. Nine weeks. There it is right there. And I'll, I'll tell you, my, my guess, and no one will ever know, but my guess, having interviewed a medical examiner for three and a half hours over hundreds of death certificates and spoken to other doctors. Probably about 80% of this is neglect. They, they killed people for, through neglect. Um, but let me move on. <clears throat> so seasonally triggers off, whether it's a virus or neglect, whatever happened, it's oh, off. Hey, John. Off. Yes. 
to that point, you know, I'd mentioned on the show before talking to some medical professionals myself about the tier, which you mentioned about neglect is a lot of people died from dehydration and starvation because yep. they did not have the infrastructure, especially at the um, assisted living facilities. And with the social distancing and the fact that these people had completely lost their appetites with COVID, um, that that was the most common thing that actually killed well, they killed my grandfather by doing that. Not to mention, I think we should get the statistics. Um, I think actually, uh, when for for whatever, one of the leading causes of death is malpractice. Is it not medical malpractice? I'm just saying. This would all, yeah, all this neglect would be. Well, they weren't in the hospital yet. <clears throat> Once they got to the hospital, there's plenty of malpractice. Yeah, state sponsored yeah. malpractice is what we've called it. According to Donald Jeffries, uh, yeah, hospitals were was the number one cause of death in America, apparently. <clears throat> yeah, yeah. I mean, when they're the nursing home and they're on their last days, sometimes they ship them to the hospital or whatever. Um, yeah, so the, the, just bear in mind that before the vaccine ever came, COVID had turned off completely. There was nothing. But then the, the, the winter of 2021 was right here in the middle. Yep. I'm not sure if you can see my mouse there. Yeah. Yeah, we can see it. Yeah. Okay. <clears throat> so right here, and, and that goes up to this this pink uh, right, right here in the bottom right of 2020 in the graph, and it's above 65. Okay? Keep, keep that in mind. There is nothing in the middle here. Yeah. So what you have is you have this some, somewhat horizontal um, age groups, five different age groups, and for a very short time, and then you have another one. It's seasonal. So now let's go down to the right bottom here with 2021. <clears throat> There's nothing really to see in the younger people, but in the 65 to 74 and 75 to 79, it's all year long, all year long, all year long. Not who seasonal. are the first to get the shots? Yep, <laughs> all year, all, all these old people. Now, there was a deficit in the 85-plus because so many of them died in that first wave. So there, there was a deficit because a lot of them are dead. They can't die twice. Yeah, now, this depletion deficit, of susceptibles, it's called. Yeah. You, yep, exactly. And, and it, it canceled out this whole section. So if you follow this blue thing and read it, 85 deficit cancels 60 to 84 excess. And if you look in this blue rectangle with the rounded corners. Yes. It wasn't at zero. It shows at zero for all cause, all ages. But in reality, this 65 to 79 band happened all year long. So that's the Simpsons paradox where one signal cancels the other. Now, when you get CDC data, the general category that people look at is 65 plus. And I'm saying 65 plus won't, it'll show you nothing right here. Whereas the, the reality is 65 to 79 was high and 85 plus was low. And so it made it, you know, minus one and plus one is zero. Hmm. So, so it's how so you hide it. It's how you hide it. Exactly. And um, the other thing is um, while we're, while we're on the hiding signals, <clears throat> when, when you get renal failure from the CDC, you get a bundled category of N17 through N19. What you see on the screen here is N179, which is acute renal failure. N18 is chronic. So that means somebody had a problem. They're either in stage one, two, three, or four renal failure. 
and they might have died from a heart attack or they might have died from pneumonia or actually COVID pneumonia. And, it, and if they had a history of uh, chronic renal failure, they were in stage two, it would be an N182. Now what happened because all those old people died, there was a deficit, I just showed you the deficit. Chronic renal failure was down while acute renal failure, now acute means it happened very quickly and you had no history of it. And so the, um, the renal failure that the CDC gives out is Which about 20%. Which is a 20%. symptom of poisoning too, wouldn't it be? Something acute yeah, like we're, that. We'll, we'll get there. You're, you're right on. Right. Six, you, right. you nailed it. Um, so but what happened was, you know, all the, all the researchers in the world are looking at CDC data and they're like, wow, it's up 20%. Wow, acute re uh, renal failure is up 20%. But because I have record level source data, I can go to the specific acute and separate it from chronic. It's not up 20%. If you look in the bottom left here, it's up 100% in 2022, 54% in 2021. Look at this graph. Yeah. Now, the excess deaths in 2020 are going to carry with it some extra, you know, acute renal failures. But then if, if the... COVID deaths were cut in half. I'll show you a code in a second. COVID deaths were cut in half. Why, why did these go up marginally double? And then it, look at 2022 is crazy. This represents 1,840 excess deaths. That's, that's more than normal. It's not 1,840 deaths. That's excess acute renal failure. You have one code in one state of excess deaths that's 1,840. That's more of a health emergency than anything in the last, I don't know, 50, 80, 100 years. You'd have to go back to the Spanish flu to find anything this high. This is, these are really super crazy numbers, and the state doesn't, either doesn't know about it or they don't want us to know about it or they don't care. I don't know what, but this should be addressed immediately. Well, and any and product that would cause that potentially, like if it was like a Tylenol or something like an NSAID that was supposedly causing something like that. So, they would have so pulled that a, immediately, wouldn't they? This is, you know this is remdesivir, right? Uh, Did you say yeah. wouldn't they? I'm sorry. Um, well, <laughs> yeah, thank, thank you, Lisa. Yeah. Lisa's like, oh, you need a black pill? No, they wouldn't. <laughs> oh, yeah, man. So, so that's, um, I wonder if I could do this. So that, Can you guys still see my screen? Yeah. All right, cool. Yes, yeah. Uh, that, that's, so if you don't know the remdesivir story, it's the only drug on emergency use authorization for COVID. They, they blocked <clears throat> um, hydroxychloroquine and, and other drugs. Yeah, we reported on what uh, George Webb had uh, posted in his Substack uh, a few weeks back. He posted a white paper that was uh, submitted to Project Veritas, uh, apparently, too. And um, it, it was the white paper went over. Uh, the positioning, basically, of remdesivir. It was like a pitch for remdesivir, you know, to get it past all the, the sniff tests that normally drugs would probably have to go through. Yeah, it, it was a completely failed drug. Uh, killed a bunch of people from the Ebola trials. And then... Um, kind of like AZT and, you know, all the other background yeah. of the yeah. monsters this, that we know. <laughs> this is the AZT of, of COVID. Yep. And that actually killed my, my friend Donald Jeffrey's brother. And they, after uh, he told him, told the hospital not to give his brother that, they gave it to him anyway. That's a quote yeah, for you, John was, Henry. This is the AZT of COVID. Wow. Yeah, <clears throat> yeah they they um they get 
the the EUA and the, and the CARES Act, I think it's 20% on the entire bill, not, not just on the drug bill. If they use remdesivir, they're not allowed to use any other drugs. No. And, and when they use it, the entire bill gets paid for by the government. It goes up like 20%. I shouldn't yeah. say the entire bill gets paid for by the government. I should say it, the, the government covers the cost of going up 20%. So if it's a $50,000 ICU stay or you know, a yeah. quarter million dollars, another 50 grand. FEMA was coming in and helping paying for the funeral too, which they never do with anything else. Yeah, that was uh, uh, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez was so proud that she got the $9,000 stuck in there uh, for the yeah. CARES Act. For, for the, the, You can get up to $9,000 for funeral expenses if you allow them to write COVID on the death certificate. Yep. So they, they, they're, they're crimes of, there are crimes of uh, coercion, fraud, and solicitation and yep. conspiracy. And the solicitation is, is all this money. They bought all these diagnoses. Yeah, yeah, they they yeah, killed yeah. people on ventilators because they my, got more money to kill somebody on a ventilator. My grandfather, they, yeah. We yep. used to say pay plan defines the behavior. If, if the company doesn't come out with the right pay plan, the, uh, the, the sales force is going to work against the company and for their own interests based on the pay plan. So when you come up with a pay plan that, we're going to give you extra money if you put people on a ventilator and they die. They're going to put people on a ventilator until they die. <laughs> you know, that's and, and they did, uh, and they did, they yep. did, and they did. And, and you know, once they know that it's killing people and they still do it, that's murder. Yep, because they have knowledge, they have scienter of their actions. Yeah. Well, that's one of the so, myths I'd like to dispel. It's like, oh, how could we have known we were in the midst of an emergency? There was so much information coming in. Well, they weren't looking at. They were rather fed. Uh, the people were fed misinformation, you know, to use uh, you know, the term that uh, a lot of people use against channels like this. Uh, but yeah, you know, they they were misinforming people, you know, down down the chain. But the people at the top, they must have known, John. And they, they and they didn't uh, allow for a funeral either. Oh, yeah. yeah, the um, <clears throat> they must have known. Check 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 the DM there at six. Oh yes, checking the DMs now. Uh, are you talking about in the brave chat? Because we got no, some links in the, from Chris uh, in the Twitter, uh, Twitter. Sorry, because gotcha. I no problem. Got you. But yeah, John, do you had more stuff that you wanted to use the share screen for? Um, it depends on how much you guys want to see. Well, I, I do I mean, have I, a question from a listener that wants to know about blood clots. Um, the person, oh, yes. yeah, the person is asking. Um, this is our good friend, Rescue Dog. Shout out, Rescue. Um. She's asking, have you talked to coroners? And I, I think I know the answer to this, but for her sake, have you talked to coroners about blood clots? The hospitals are not being forthcoming, she says. Um, the, the short answer is no. I mean, I tried to talk to a funeral director, okay, the ones that would be pulling those blood clots out. Um, he said, hasn't seen anything, but then I found out, well, he hasn't seen any, any, any deaths at all in the realm of either the vaccine or COVID. Um, but then I talked to another one recently, and he has seen some a lot of weird stuff going on with regard to clots. Uh, these are just rumors that don't carry any weight. I'm a, I'm a guy talking on the screen right now. Um, when it comes to, you said coroners, so we have medical examiners. Um, no, did, did, didn't find, I mean, there's people that die, die from clots. But if you're talking about that died suddenly movie with all the clots they're pulling out, no. Not, not, not the amyloid type of clots. Uh, have you white. seen the, Have you seen the thing that I think I don't know six. If this is what you're 
referring to, but John, are you aware of that? It was like a weird phenomenon. And again, maybe it's just speculation, but there was a lot of videos that had come out of uh, funeral home directors showing these like disgusting, like spider like things that they were pulling out of the veins of some of these corpses that, that, took the shot and everything. Yeah. You know what I'm talking about? I mean, is that just science fiction yeah. or speculation? Yeah. No, I believe it's real, but the, a lot of those are forming after the person dies. Right. What, what, what happens to a, kind of a, you know, a, a thick fluid that has a, the ability to yeah. coagulate like that. Yeah. Uh, co- coagulates a great word. Yeah. Um, okay. Once it stops flowing, yeah. you know, you get a dead body that, that the blood just sits there and things all start growing in place. Well, there are chemicals start, that'll make the blood more viscous, like that. And it'll it'll make it. They'll make the blood thicker or thinner. You know that can happen. All right. Yeah. No. I just I was always curious about that, but I, I couldn't really ever substantiate it. Anyway. I believe some of them are real. You know, I believe there's. Um, it's hard. To, it's hard to prove. Fibrin, I know. <laughs> the fibrin and fibrogen, fibrinogen thing that's happening with the platelets. That if you ever yeah. seen the cartoon where yeah. it has all these fibers coming out of it, come out out of the platelet and then grab yeah. it. Um, very scary stuff. Yeah, I think that's real um, in very few cases. Yeah, but I mean, I, I'm again, I'm just a data guy. I'm not a doctor. I'm not a microbiologist. I can tell you the same stuff you've seen. I've probably seen you uh, probably so- and you've probably seen the empty hospital videos too. We, we don't need to go there, but that was uh, yeah. all over the place as well. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> the whole thing oh, you is not uh, very sketchy. <laughs> he's asking about clots. Let me let me. Um, I'll bring up some. Am I? Am I sharing? Yeah, I'm yes. sharing screen, right? Yep. So all I have yeah. to do is yeah. make this bigger. Yep. So if I make this bigger. Yes, yes. Um, yes. Everybody can see it. Mm-hmm. All right. So let me go to some decodes. Uh, well, this is all cause. So just, just notice that 2020 was the highest, and then it went down significantly. So the marginal difference above the black line, say, it was, mm-hmm. was more than cut in half year over year. And then COVID, COVID was cut in half year over year, and respiratory deaths were cut in half, and pneumonia was cut in half. And notice that the younger people are dying more in 21 than 22, and the older people died more in 20 than 20, 21. Okay, now let's get to circulatory. Oh, um, in circulatory. It appears as though 21 is lower in total, and it is. It's lower in 21 than 20, right? Yeah. Every single age group is higher except for one, 85 plus. And it was so much lower that if you added up the differences of all these red ones, it still isn't enough to, to combat the 85 plus. So the signal of the 85 plus alone, it killed and stepped on the overwhelming majority of all these being red going up that those are circulatory system overall and then there's pulmonary embolism every age group is up 500 extra deaths um cardiac arrest all but the 85 plus and that's only a difference of 63 uh it it, it, it amounts to 3041 excess deaths in the last two years <clears throat> i mean that's that's the biggest number one i mean that's so when I say 4,000 people were killed by the vaccine in Massachusetts in the last two years, I mean it. And I have data to back it up. I don't have every record. 
that would require probably 20 or 30 years of 10 people to go through every little medical chart. Um, but yeah, it's real. 4,000 people died from the vaccine in Massachusetts. I'll stand behind that. Cardiac arrhythmia, a lot of people dying in their sleep and so forth. Uh, veins, lymphatic vessels. So the, the endothelial walls, the, the inside lining of your blood vessels are getting attacked. When it gets attacked, uh, because the cells are inflamed, because they were transfected by the LNPs from the vaccine, and it doesn't matter if it's spike protein or if they have a phospholipid allergy, um, you know, it's the lipid nanoparticles themselves can inflame a cell or the spike protein itself. And when that happens, the T cells are going to come by and kill it. When they kill it, leaves apoptosis and if you kill enough of them in one spot you get a, you, you just punch the hole in your blood vessel and then it bleeds and when it bleeds it clots so you have bleeding problems clotting problems your blood's all messed up because these lnps from the vaccine are doing a lot of damage to your endothelial walls um d8 codes okay here we go <clears throat> d codes of blood and she asked about uh clotting mm -hmm. so um Certain disorders involving the immune mechanism, we don't talk about the lymph. Post acute post-hemorrhagic anemia. Look, look, at this, look, look at this compared to what's normal. Okay, even in the top graph, you have 2020 among 2015 through 2019. Look at where 2021 and 2022 are. Wow. So if COVID caused this, what the hell is 2022 down, doing down in the mix? Right. <laughs> and then you've got disseminated intravascular regulation. She asked about clots. Well, these are clots throughout your entire body, disseminated all over, all over your vasculature. And that would indicate and, uh, a break uh, from the isolation that they claim that it's supposed to, the shots are supposed to stay in the deltoid, right? That this means it's oh, that, crossing yeah, the, through the blood and over the blood brain barrier and all sorts of things and uh, sex organs, yep. gonads. So John, John, what is what is your take on um, all of a sudden the the uh, invention of syndromes like sudden adult death syndrome, and also what's your take on uh, the idea that the flu all of a sudden just disappeared for a year, like they like to claim? So the prior one you asked is just a psyop psychological operation. It's marketing. It's manipulation. Thank you. That's what I thought. <laughs> And the, um, what was the second thing you asked? Oh, they tried to say the flu just disappeared and oh, the flu, now we have yeah. COVID. Yeah. That's just counting them differently. Um, I could actually, I don't think I have it available right now. I don't want to well, waste time. You know what I'm talking about before. though, right? They tried pushing Oh yeah, out. I was going to show you the data. I, 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 oh, okay. I just, I ran the, you know what? I can run those. Let me just finish up the, the co other coagulation yeah. defects. Yeah. Should be half, right? The marginal difference should be cut in half. It's up. Um, Secondary thrombocytopenia. What am I missing here? Oh, cancers. What kind of cancers are up? Oh, um, that's really this, scary because that's that could be a long term one that goes on and on, right, John? Yeah. I'll, I'll show you that one in a second, but look how deterministic this is and how flat. There's no difference year to year 2020, 2021, 20. You can't tell anything from the totals, but like in the top here, th those are all years right on top of each other. But if I look specifically at lymph node cancer, check this out. I mean, I really don't have to say anything, do I? You can see that, right? Yeah, that's a pretty big step up there, right? Yeah. Crazy number. 
And you figure like with even, with even the admission now from pretty much every institution of natural immunity and other things, what we talked about. Saying, yeah, now they have articles saying that all, uh, now we're going to get diabetes, uh, the unvaccinated. Uh, everything I've been able to show has been six to nine months ahead of um, even wow. people on our side, uh, only yeah. because I have data other people don't have. I'm no genius. Uh, but the, the marrow, the marrow is where you make red cells, white cells, and platelets. It's all about the blood. Oh, leukemia. I'm thinking. Uh, oh, what kind of leukemia? Let's see. Did oh. I show you leukemia? Oh, geez. Uh, yeah. <laughs> that's, it's just 2022. That's B cell uh, type leukemia. Oh, man. Um, the age, this is complicated. Just look in the bottom right. The average age of death increased in 2020, but it decreased more than below normal in 2021. So people were dying younger. The COVID age of death was 81.3 in 2020. And this is the range <coughs> that um, of the excess deaths. This is the range that uh, would be required to make it normal. And 83 lies in that range. So this makes sense. Okay, the, the calculations I'm doing, this is right where it should be. Now, in 2021, people are dying much younger, but the average age is 75.8. It's way outside the range in calculation of where the excess deaths have to be to make it 75.0, which is what it was. What I'm saying is it can't be COVID. The average age of COVID death is 75.8, but the excess was between 59 and 69. That was the average range in order to meet the, the regular range of 75.3 to 75.8. So it, what, what I'm saying here is the, the excess deaths that are occurring are occurring between 59 and 69, that the average is in that range somewhere. But COVID is much more. So it's not COVID that's killing these people. They, they can't, when, the, when our opposition says, oh, yeah, well, they went down because a lot of old people died. So now they're younger. It's like, no, we have the age of COVID deaths and we have the range of what people died from in excess. It doesn't match. People died much younger. So let me um, show you flu if I can find it. Um, yeah, sorry to put you on the spot. <laughs> I was just, right. just curious. Well, and I did watch some work. I don't know, if, John, if you've ever heard of a gentleman by the name of John Collin. Uh, he does amazing work. Uh, he oh, worked yeah. on the, um, the, it was the, uh, the COVID tracker released by John Hopkins. He was the, I, I believe he was one of the coders or engineers of, of coding the, uh, the tracker. And he would point out all of the crazy differences between like American states and Asian countries um, you know, and, and just like the differences there, but one of the main things that uh, I picked up from him early on too, in this, uh, during the pan pandemic, whatever we want to call it at this point. Um, yeah, yeah. Uh, that he did a video called, and he used, uh, Stephen Wright, uh, who's a famous stand-up comedian from the Boston area. Uh, right. he used, he used his bit, um, about wearing two different colored socks. And when somebody asked him like, why are you wearing two different colored socks? And he goes, I don't go by color. I go by thickness. And uh, he could, he used that line in comparing the flu and pneumonia deaths yeah. for those years of 20, you know, 2020 into 2021. 
um, and comparing the you know, flu and pneumonia deaths, you know, compared to COVID deaths, and running charts like this in parallel with one another, you get to see the lines basically cross over one another, you know, almost perfectly. So yeah, they're, they've they've been hiding it. They've been hiding it. <laughs> so th- that's that's actually what set me off in 2020 when this whole thing happened. I told you I downloaded a file from the CDC and the numbers didn't match. Yeah. It was the pneumonia, flu, and inst- pneumonia, influenza, and um, I think it was a general respiratory category. Uh, they they didn't add up. There was there was bad math in there. They're supposed to add up because one was a superset of the other, um, <clears throat> and that that's you know I knew in uh, April 2020 they were screwing with with um, with flu and pneumonia because the the 2020 graph had the added column of COVID, and it, it seemed like wow you guys are either stealing it st- stealing the numbers from there or you know, then you're going to come out and say, you know, COVID wiped out the flu. But anyway, can you guys see this? Okay. Yeah. All right. So um, look at 2021. Three. The, the, these, eight, these 84 <laughs> flu, don't forget. So the, the pandemic comes in in March. I'm sorry, right? but it's just so ridiculous. Yeah, I know. I know. It, but you got to remember 2020 is the winter that the, the, the flu season goes from like November of 2019 up to say February before COVID even started, these 84 deaths were, were already raring, right? Yeah. And then they just stopped counting flu deaths and everything was COVID. And so the 2021 actually reflects um, more. I'm, I'm just trying to show you why 2020 still has 84 because these all happened before COVID start was a thing in March. And then, so that's um, influenza. And then you have viral. John, John, can I ask you one other thing? Um, yeah. Do you have any kind of data on how many people died from the lockdowns where they, they had other health issues that they weren't able to get treatments for and ended up dying because of it? <clears throat> yeah, all I have is what's on the death certificate. So, um, okay. yeah. you know, right. it, it, it depends. I mean, yeah, I don't know. Anyway, here's the other one. This is virus not identified. So the other one I showed you was there was a positive flu test. It was identified. So th- this they're saying they didn't do a flu test, but they were diagnosed with, with influenza and died without doing the flu test. And again, you have the same thing in 21. Look at that. Six. Wow. So, I mean, that's a joke, right? They're just they're reclassifying everything to COVID. Um. So you can see this still. I might as well just. And that's part of the um, PCR test debacle too. Like that, that whole canard that, that even. Yeah, you want to see, <laughs> show you a PCR. Uh, I don't know if you can read this, but I'll, I'll read it to you. Okay. This is a, a male 49 years old. <clears throat> Acute intoxication due to the combined effects of fentanyl and ethanol. So alcohol and fentanyl overdose. He died from an overdose. SARS-CoV-2 RNA detected by PCR. Yeah. That's a COVID death. Yeah. U071 right here. It got coded. Uh, this so is many all auto COVID. accidents and motorcycle accidents that were considered COVID deaths too. Yep. I got those. Uh, uh, it's a blunt force trauma to the head, blunt force trauma to the torso. Yep. COVID. Um, yeah. This, this whole page is uh, all fentanyl and yeah. acute fentanyl and cocaine. Positive for SARS-CoV-2. Positive for COVID-2. 
Yeah, okay. You guys are a bunch of lying. Uh, yeah, well, whatever. Uh, I'll be nice. All right, tw- there's 24 of these. Had- you don't have to be if you don't want to be, John. We're uncensored here on Rumble. <laughs> yeah, this whole thing, this is me off. Yeah. yeah, I was even going to ask you, man, like, how do you, how do you cope? Like we're going through this stuff. We talk about this on the show a lot, like, re- you know, reviewing a lot of dark things and, in, you know, investigating them, researching them. Like how, how do you get through this type of stuff? And then at the end of the day, like still deal with humanity <laughs> or even want to. <laughs> so I, I don't do the people stuff uh, very often because yeah. I, <laughs> yeah. I, I, I break down. I, I've been sitting here crying at my desk. I mean, my, my, that's my son's picture. Um, and, uh, you know, I, I get upset um, a lot. But when I do the data, it's a lot easier. And I, and I don't look in 2018. I don't look at any specific deaths in 2018 because that's where he is. That's where my son is. Yeah. Yeah, that's tough. Now, I mean, uh, we we all have people in our lives. That, you know, Chris, you've spoken about this, you know, on on our yeah, show. My whole fu- yeah, my whole future was murdered. <laughs> yeah, so this is all I have now. I mean, John Henry, are there myths? Are there things that you would you would want John to sort of take out while we have him here? Or are there stories that you'd like to share with the audience? To maybe correlate with some of the things that he's shown. No, I think it's, um, you know, everything was pretty well covered and, and I appreciate the, the effort and the data uh, that you spend the time on getting. And, um, you know, it just, a, it's a reinforcement of what we all knew, <laughs> you know, inevitably. And it's, um, you know, it's unfortunate because as much as you would want to take some type of solace and knowing, man, that's it. That's a smoking gun. It's, uh, it's devastating, man. You know, and it's, it's like, for, you know, like almost in a sense of denial, like you wish it wasn't true. You wish these things weren't manipulated. You wish that it wasn't, uh, you know, a full on assault on our, our liberties and our health and our well being and, and mental health and all of it. And, um, you know, it just kind of one of those hard things as you go through it. And, uh, you know, it just reiterated over and over and over like, Hey, this, uh, yeah, this didn't come from a bat in Wuhan and, uh, no, mm. No, this wasn't safe and effective, which were, you know, those were those key words, man. That was a tagline, safe and effective, safe and effective, safe and effective. Um, but really, it was just devastating to people. Um, you know, I just appreciate John's work uh, just through and through with everything and, uh, you know, all the data that you shared, man. So as far as stories, no, no, I don't, I don't have anything new. You know, we, we've all, I think, shared our stories many, many times over on here with Mr. Graves and Lisa and, and yourself, my friend. Um, you know, and, and, and me too, and, you know, the people that we know that have been uh, affected in a devastating way and, and unfortunately have also lost their lives. Um, doesn't make it any easier, man. I'll tell you that much. Uh, but it's just really a matter of, you know, one, what are we going to do about it? And two, um, and to me, more importantly, what are we going to do to make sure it never happens again? That's uh, to me really key. And I think John's work here helps people like us cope. Because it, it, you, being able to see someone like that put it into perspective like this, you know, for people to, dig- to digest, it's not just words. It's not just like, and, and we talked about this before and, and, and Graves, like you and I have had this discussion too before about other subjects when it comes to anecdotes, 
when it comes yeah. to people's firsthand accounts and and, and, and words of things that you said that they've tried to twist this and say that you know people don't remember things the same way you know that they should and they misremember things and false memory syndrome which was not a real syndrome at all and it victimized a lot of uh, a lot of people that you know made them think they were crazy for what they saw during whatever incident it victimized uh, child molestation victims it, they've been trying to get people to question their what they've seen and what you know their eyes and their brains for a long time and it, i noticed now how there's a lot more people that are aware of things like psyops that maybe they weren't aware of even before like the lockdowns and things like that so i'm just hoping more people are, are waking up well when we talk about psyops like let's look at where a lot of this, you know, rather origination of the the virus, quote unquote, came from, or where the medicines came from. Lisa, we're looking at DARPA and BARDA. We're looking at you know, the winter. government. Yeah, Dark we're, winter, yeah, we're looking at government. Program. This is this is these are government plans that have been in place for decades now, as we've researched here on the show. Um, Lisa, I know that you, you do some things in in your neighborhood to help you cope with things. You get out and you do things locally. You, you do go out and uh, support your know, local businesses and farmers markets and things of that nature. Does that help you cope with all this? Oh, let me tell you that that's, that's what keeps me grounded. Um, definitely making sure that I get out there. I mean, just being with, with people, you know, uh, because uh, when you know if you're on uh like twitter <laughs> for so much and you and you're constantly well you know as we do this for for our work right we're constantly trying to get get as much information as we can to uh do the best analysis we can and you know when you're constantly listening to it um over and over and over uh yeah that gets a little bit uh overwhelming doesn't it so Definitely uh, taking time out. Absolutely. And uh, in fact, you helped me. Lisa, it's funny because uh, number six messaged me the other day and goes, hey, man, is your Twitter working? I'm like, yeah, it's working. I just I had to step away for a couple of days. I think it's just important that we we have a little bit of a reset because, you know, to your point, you know, we obviously want that knowledge. We want that information. We want that analysis. But we're also forgetting that we get so damn wrapped up into that, that what about everything else <laughs> external of that source, right? And um, definitely important to breathe and, you know, and, and just go have a conversation with somebody in person. I mean, that's another thing that these days, uh, I got to tell you, going through the pandemic and, and this point and the fact that we do what we do on the show and spend so much time researching, uh, I got to be very candid, man. Just a, a conversation with somebody in person has more value at this point in my life than I ever thought it possibly could. And that's such a critical, critical thing. And it doesn't mean it's about the news or politics or the pandemic. It could be about damn near anything. Um, and really to me, when I have those conversations, I prefer it's not about any of that stuff because <laughs> I got my squad that we talk about it. I know what, you know, I have my source. I have my happy place for us to have these conversations with the people that, you know, I love and respect. And, uh, Man, it's um, it's such an important thing to just step away for a minute. You know, to, uh, I joke with Graves sometimes. Like, I don't even think Graves steps away to sleep. Yeah, my DMs. We encourage you. Twenty four seven. 
You know, I mean, I get up really early in the morning and I have, you know, Graves has sent messages literally for a 48 hour period nonstop. I'm like, take a break, man. Oh, uh, he's he, yeah, I thought I was uh big on the, the research thing, man. He makes me he makes me look like nothing. I'm just trying to wake people up. That that's all I'm doing. Hey six, can you do me one favor? Can you just show on the screen the last three links I, I uh posted no, there? Just no problem, brother. Show, show people like the corruption here mm-hmm. and what they they're trying to get away with. <laughs> what gotcha. Yeah, let's uh let's pull up some links. So I'm gonna pull these three up right now. All right. So this one from the Daily Beast, the head of the 9-11 commission is looking at COVID now. Wow. Uh, It says it's a testimony to our democracy. I love when they misuse that, that we were able as ordinary citizens to accomplish this after 9-11. We'll see where things end up this time around. That was a quote there. Yeah. And that that commission was a sham in my humble opinion. Yeah. So what's the most distinguishable thing in the picture? It's all the, all the deaths. Well, he's this, wearing a mask. This guy wearing a mask he's outside, a mask outside in direct well, sunlight. Yeah. With, with no one around. else around. <laughs> you guys didn't even notice that, right? I mean, yeah, I'm glad you pointed that out. Normal. It's yeah. so normal. It's like the guy driving in the car wearing the mask. I like know. in the media, like I, I hope that we can all sit around like a couple, a decade or two from now. And look back at the silliness of people wearing masks in our media. Like just looking back to these years and explaining to our children or grandchildren, like, hey, th- th- these are how silly, this is how silly people were. This is, these are people that failed the Milgram experiment. You know, we, we, were we in did, the Twilight Zone. Yeah, we, we did the, the, the Stanford prison experiment in mass. And this is what happened to our culture. And, and that's why I'm thankful to have people like John here, because this is our way to re- re- recover that culture. You know, Graves, you talk about on the show all the time, like we do this as like a public service. This is our service to our culture. This is our service to, you know, to our people and the people in our lives and the people that are no longer with us. You know, so it, it's something that we, I mean, if, if John Henry, you said it all the time. If, if not us, if not who, when, when, where are these people? We are these people, right? Oh man, but let's uh let's pull this up too. This is from UVA today, uh, courtesy of Chris Gray's Q and A. Philip Zillikow, a 9/11 Commission leader, to take stock of COVID lessons. All right, was there anything particular in this one, or can I move on to the next, Grace? Yeah, just move on. Yeah, I just wanted you to just flash. Oh, and this is another one of those New York Times things. So, folks, if you don't know already, grab yourself uh, archive today. Just go to their um, website or download their extension. They have a Chrome extension that also works on Brave. And anytime that New York Times wants to charge you for an article, tell them to suck it. Um, and uh, just archive, grab the archive version, which I'm going to bookmark and put into this today. So this is from the New York Slimes. Um, COVID-19 commission modeled on 9-11 inquiry draws bipartisan backing. It says a broad bipartisan group of senators is coalescing around a plan for an independent panel to investigate the origins of the coronavirus and the U.S. Response. And just remember, just like with 9-11, right before the lockdowns, there was a lot of insider trading with a lot of these uh, politicians, too. Oh, that's too. Yeah. Speaking of numbers, I'd like to see those books, right? You know, do an, do an audit of the people yeah. in government and what they made on all of this. They knew what was coming down the pike. It's got to be disgusting how much they've probably uh, wheelbarrows full of cash away from the, all this, I'm sure. 
Um, now, uh, I, while I'm doing the screen share, I just wanted to uh, put on the screen here for everybody to check out. Uh, John, you do have a website, uh, which I have pulled up here. Uh, awesome logo. I'm a huge dog lover. We have some dog lovers in the chat. I know uh, our friend Rescue Dog is, is here with us tonight. Um, but uh, And Lisa, also a huge too. dog lover. Quote is great. Yeah, truth is the most valuable thing we have. Let us economize it, Twain. And it's funny that um, a Mark Twain quote came up because this is something that apparently is misattributed to him. I pulled this up while we were talking earlier. Um, John, you might like this. There are three kinds of lies. Lies, damn lies, and statistics. So it says that that quote is often attributed to Twain, but he said it was attributed to Benjamin Disraeli. And this itself is probably a misattribution. So nobody really knows where that originally came from. But since we've been talking about statistics, that's an old favorite. Uh, my dad told me that. I don't even know how many times when we've had discussions about things in statistics before. But um, And then uh, I have pulled up here uh, John's uh, Twitter. You can check him out on Twitter there um, under John Bedouin uh, Sr. Uh, and then also the Coquin de Chen uh, newsletter. Uh, this is where you'll find him on Substack. So definitely check out all of his work there. And um, we also wanted to give a shout out real quick to uh, Super Spreaders. Uh, you can find them on Twitter and Rumble as well. So make sure to give them a follow. Great stuff that they did there with our, our friend John to uh, help spread the word about these types of things. So, But uh, I'm going to go back to the panel here. And just to wrap things up, did anybody have any final thoughts before we uh, say goodbye to our friend John for the evening? Well, no, I, I, oh, sorry, Lisa, go ahead. No, no, go ahead, John. Yeah, Chris, yeah, <laughs> Chris, over there. I wanted to thank John for coming on and uh, sharing uh, what he, his work with us. And and uh, one last thing, just so people don't think I made it up, I did put one last link in there with the insider trading thing. And uh, thank you, everyone, for, for tuning in. This is uh, a very... Uh, different kind of episode of the new prisoner podcast. Well, and Lisa, well, you know, I can't thank John enough for, for uh, coming on. I am so honored uh, that he has graced us. Um, you know, have my having connected with John. Uh, it's when we were talking about what keeps me going. It's, it's people like, he is. Uh, I just really appreciate what he does. Uh, the message that he presents for us, okay, is very, very empowering. It shows that you don't have to be a doctor to be able to figure this stuff out. It should be raising people up to know that, you know, an average not that John's average, but you know what I'm saying. Everyday people, okay? If you you have the ability to just be able to put things down and look at actual facts, uh, it really makes a difference. And not not for people not to be caught up with the establishment. Um, so, really, a uh, big thank you to uh, John for getting out this message and uh, the, he's a courageous voice and I can't thank him enough. Well, and John, do you have any final thoughts that you'd like to share with the audience? 
just for where they can maybe check out more of your work, what they can look at, or just. Well, uh, I guess I just want to leave people with the feeling that, you know, we're going to win. Okay. Liberty's going to win. It's just how long it takes. How oh, long yeah. the middle ground. It's the middle that decides every issue, every election. It's all public opinion. Judges won't come around until they're forced to by public opinion. And they are definitely swayed by public opinion. So, um, and I'm not a data guy. Uh, people call me the, the data guy. <laughs> um, I'm more of a strategist, kind of high level. And I, I have a lot of things going on in legal, in government, um, and bringing the, nobody was doing the data, so I did it. I tried to get professors to do it. Nobody did it, so I did it. Um, but yeah, that's uh, thank you very much for the, the, the high praise there. And um, thanks for having me on. I really appreciate it. You guys are pretty cool. Uh, good luck with the podcast in the future. Uh, keep rolling. And, and again, we're going to kick their asses. It's just a matter of when. I love hearing that, man. Uh, and keep, keep your head up, brother. And, and you mentioned before you don't do the people thing a lot. You're welcome here at the New Pres uh, Prisoners anytime. Uh, we, we, have, uh, we have a DIY type of spirit here, uh, getting people together, like Lisa was talking about, from all different walks of life. doesn't matter what kind of background you have. If you're willing to jump into this stuff with us, you're part of the crew. Big shout out to Rescue Dog. She says, uh, John's work is incredible. God love and bless this. I believe she meant to say courageous man, but I think it came out as contagious. Damn spell check. <laughs> he, has, he, has, he has quite an infectious personality. That's yes, quite yes. in. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Uh, she also says, love you, Lisa. You rock. And she also loves Chris's DMs. She doesn't know how he digs up his data. He is the grave digger of research. He is the best. Uh, we love having him around too. And uh, John Henry, any final thoughts before we sign off tonight, my friend? Oh man, it's just uh, exciting to have you know, one more part of the, the community. And uh, you know, and then when you say it's not a matter of if, it's a matter of when. Uh, you know, what expedites that is how big is the army get and how fast. And uh, that's really key. And you know, same thing we talk about all the time. Get out there and have those conversations, man. Yeah, you never know when an ally is uh, sitting next to you every single day and, and maybe just doesn't have the uh, the balls to say it until you give them that little cue that uh, it's all right for them to, uh, you know, to have that conversation because you're on the same side and the same team. So you might be shocked, might be shocked at who's around you. So uh, just thanks to everybody. Thank you, John, for everything that you do. Again, sorry for uh, the loss that you went through with your son. Uh, Lisa Graves been fun as always. Uh, I think this may have been the least chaotic episode we've ever done. Uh, and also I'd be willing to bet the least amount of swear words. So <laughs> <laughs> I think we wanted to approach this one, especially given the, the material with a certain level of respect, right? Like oh, we, sure. we have to laugh yeah, at yeah. the darkness sometimes. And I get that, but with, with a show like this, I wanted to make sure that we got in uh, some good, some good haymakers on the uh, COVID narrative, all Absolutely. different angles. Absolutely. But, and um, let's make courage contagious. Love that. Damn yes, right. Damn yes. right. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> thank you. Uh, Rescue dog for that, that Freudian slip there that, uh, that, that could have led to something brilliant being said. So uh, by Lisa, but now we, uh, one of the thing that I've always noticed about these shows is that they always seem to come back around to where we began. And, uh, I remember having a conversation with John about empathy and just how, how to have, how to have empathetic, you know, connections with people. And I think that one of the beautiful things about the opportunity that we have here for now, uh, and the window is closing and we say this all the time on the show, 
that while we have the opportunity to speak these things, while we have the opportunity to commit them for history, for posterity, uh, that the world will know decades from now that we are the people that stood up. And they fuck with the wrong people. There, we got one swear word in. Until we meet again, and until we are free, we are the new prisoners. Thank you for listening to The New Prisoners. Let us know what you think about this week's topics on our Minds page and Substack. Or leave a comment under our video on BitChute, Odyssey, Rumble, and Brideon. You can also risk being shadow banned, suspended, or permanently banned on Twitter and Instagram with us. Or speak freely with us on Gab. Please feel free to share your own sources with us. And remember to share the information we provided you here. You never know what kind of difference it can make. If you'd like to be a guest on the show, email thenewprisonernumber6 at protonmail.com. Provide a brief description of the topic or topics that you would like to discuss, and a screener will contact you. You can always choose to appear anonymously. And you can also donate to The New Prisoners through anchor.fm slash thenewprisonernumber6 slash support. There, you can make a monthly donation of $0.99, cents, $4.99, or $9.99. We also have a subscribe star where you can make a one-time or recurring contribution at subscribestar.com slash the hyphen new hyphen prisoners. Or you could donate US dollars and crypto to us on Mines and Odyssey. All donations go towards studio upgrades to make more content and advertising to spread the word about the show. Every amount is appreciated. Demand answers, not orders. We are the new prisoners.